Hi, you're listening to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we're talking about the African Great Lakes. Stay tuned. Alrighty, we're back. Riley, how's it going, my man? It's good. It's Easter. Happy mm-hmm. Easter or Happy whatever Easter. holiday. Whatever holiday or doesn't offend you. Yes. <laughs> Happy spring observance. There we go. Mindfulness day. <laughs> <laughs> One of the our federal counterparts, they sent out a little like a, you get a, basically an extra day off. And it was mm-hmm. the most eggshell written thing I've ever read. And it's like, it was, there's like four different topics. And it was basically like, you guys are working hard. It's also <laughs> some people's holidays. They're like, happy Easter, Ramadan, Passover. And then the other one was like, maybe you just want off to practice mindfulness. It's fine. And then it's like, okay, like just give them a day off. Like, it's good like, Lord. So it's not know. my organization. So I can make fun of this one or talk about it. Cause, <laughs> cause I saw the email, I'm like, so what do you guys have off? And they're like, depends on who you ask. Like, <laughs> Any one of these five things. That's what it was. There's three <laughs> different paragraphs and it was each one had a different subject. And then at the end it was like, and here's eight hours as you see fit to do it. And then it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I do think it's funny that they need to rationalize their day off as if someone would go like, wait, why do I have this day off? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So, <laughs> but other than that, okay. um, so you have off tomorrow. Could, I could, I don't know when I'm going to oh, take it could. off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely not this week. Cause it's, yeah, it's a floating one, so it's even. Oh, so it can be yeah. whatever. Oh, that's nice. I know, which is yeah. Anyways, but um, so I played soccer with my nephew. Oh, and I fun. ate crap, man. I ate crap very hard, and my shoulder hurts. To be honest, um, so I was in the corner of like my parents. There's there's a shed, and there was a uh-huh. big slick of mud, and I slipped, and I did. I don't even know. I like splatted against. Oh no! The, the shed. And oh. like, I like, I don't know. I like overextended my arms. So like it went back super far. So like now my road, like it really hurts. And uh, I scraped up all my knee, my, both my oh, knees, all, all my knees. And everybody was watching. I was like, oh my God, I was just Man. having fun. And then I slipped on the mud. Don't you wish those days you could like just run through a brick wall and then wake up the next morning and do it, do the exact same thing over and over yeah. again. Where Dude, now I'm it's old. like, I stand up I'm too fast now. and <laughs> I stand up too fast and I have a headache for three days straight. <laughs> oh man but that was a fun one um it okay. rained two inches plus in a like 24 Ooh. hour period here you got water oh. in the the new house oh no but there's a drain they told us when we bought it they're like by the way sometimes when it rains really crazy like you might get some water it's just the area and we got some water so i might have to put in it's called a a sun pump a sump yeah, well, so, you, so yeah, so it's a basement. You get, your basement flooded a little bit. Or... Yeah, I mean, so it just rose the the water level rose yeah. table, yeah. and then yep. it. I mean, so we have a, a whatever you want to call it, a French drain, or you know, to at least the sewer. So it didn't. Yes. It didn't flood, but yeah, there's yeah, also yeah. water. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it maybe a the sump might be able yeah, to do it. Get a but sump. I have to install it. Yeah, it's really easy. Honestly, it's not that hard. I know. Just, just I look have it up radon on too, so I got a rate on it. Yeah, it's fine. You'll be fine. 
Um, one thing to think about is to put that thing on a backup generator because most of the time when you're going to need a sump, it's during a bad storm and your power is going to be out. And oh, yeah, basement's going to flood anyway. So I just call my generator guy. I mean, well, <laughs> no, first no. off, I've never owned a house before, but you should have a backup. You should have an emergency generator. No, we don't have an emergency generator. I'm not saying it has to power your entire house. I'm just saying like your major appliances. I have a propane tank and some candles and we'll just (laughs) wait it out. I'm just saying enough to like, if it goes on for more than like a few hours, you can keep your refrigerator going. That's interesting. I think I can count on like my one hand that like power power went out in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Maybe we're fortunate. I guess. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just used to like hurricane season in new jersey it was mm-hmm. guaranteed at least like one day out of the year you were you were going to go without power for about eight hours wow yeah when yeah. uh atlantic city got too big of a jackpot and yeah, we were, i don't know <laughs> trying to make it no probably more like I'll hurricane sandy you know oh yeah oh she's yeah. too soon mm-hmm. matt too soon <laughs> Oh, but uh, other than that, um, ooh, announcement. Um, oh. My wife is pregnant. Oh, congrats. Already Spoiler alert. About, I already told Matt, right? Yeah, yeah, I knew about so this, this a while ago. This, yeah. I can't. So <laughs> we, I know, right? You can't. I'm doing a Matt's bad job like, acting. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, my God. I had no idea. But for the listener, I'm the last of my kind, the Bewley, so I need to have a child, otherwise the name is gone. I've had, Matt's laughing, I've had a weight on my shoulders unexplainable for 30 years, and maybe, just maybe, it might be gone. (laughs) And then I'll just, the curse, it's like a curse that goes to each generation, and it's just going to be him, because I'm like, then you're the only one left, maybe, if it's a boy. (laughs) And if it's a girl, you, I don't know. Yep, this is fine. Guys, I'm done. You guys know the gender yet? In two, three weeks, we'll be like, okay, yeah. Do you plan on? I don't know how much you talked about this. Do you plan on only having the one? Do you plan on having a handful, a little gaggle to, of them? To be soon. To to be decided. Okay. Um, Sam is a twin. Yes, I do. And know in that. a family of twins. Oh. So a yeah, very. So each each I guess each conception there might be more than one so your number if it's a numbers game well, you're trying for Matt I'm highly likely to have well three. Sam's an identical twin though and that's not genetic fraternal twins can be passed down I don't know that I do wait know. no no she she's not an identical twin Sam she's not identical or she has the two yolk sac thing no 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 fraternal is two separate eggs yeah that each get fertilized is. independently Identical is one egg that gets that gets fertilized and then splits. I don't think she's an identical twin. Riley, Sam and Savannah look the exact same. I don't, but like they're the not. That's the definition of identical twins. You think they're identical, but they're not. They look identical. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. No pause it right now. Hey, Sam! <laughs> I think she's, keep... she's not identical. She's paternal. What? Yeah, I think both sets are. No way. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm honestly shocked because her and Savannah look the exact same. Well, all right. Well, all right. What's interesting is that so she has two, two, 
two twins sets yeah. in the family. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, I guess her mm-hmm. mom does. Yeah. And it's the, the twins look alike. Yeah. The other twins look alike, but all four of them don't look alike. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> like, you can separate them out. <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that is genetic then. So yeah. Yeah. Is, so there, yeah. there could be a chance that, yeah. Okay. Every, I'm just going to casino every time, like the <laughs> question of a kid comes up, Matt. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's exciting. Papa Bioli loading. Okay. Probably never thought of it. So mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah, it is funny the different milestones. Like I'm like I'm starting to get used to the idea of like calling Rachel my wife, and now you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna be a dad. So it's just like different, <laughs> different yeah, levels. No. Goes quick, dude. Mm-hmm. Twenties are gone. <laughs> you, I just look out the window now and sigh. <sighs> like it looks like a nice day. <laughs> just deep yoga sighs all the time. Just. Mm-hmm. <sighs> You know, mm-hmm. just more just existential dread. It's like uh, <laughs> inside you're like uh, quiet desperation. <laughs> but anyways, totally oh, kidding. Man. It'll be exciting. A... So yeah, baby gender coming up. Okay, you guys can do like a huge party and all that, like people usually oh, do. No, okay. No, 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 no. That does not. It doesn't seem like you guys, but I wasn't sure. I don't. Know. Maybe we'll get like a. Well, I mean, we'll be both at the the when it happens the yeah okay like, i mean lab yeah the office visit uh, but like i don't know so okay i don't know we did my parents a cake <laughs> okay oh, it said uh sam has cute. one in the oven and then uh, like so they just came over on a normal like they like to visit <laughs> we're like we made you cake i was like mayhaps you open the cupboard and look at it or the cover of it and they didn't they're like sam has one in the oven. And it took them a second and they're like what I was, oh, I was so like funny. surprised us too. <laughs> like, <laughs> surprised us too. <laughs> surprise! At least you're honest. Yeah, it was a surprise. Oh, happy surprise though. Happy surprise. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but still yeah. a surprise. Do you have names picked out? We do. Narrowing. Okay. Okay. I so right away it was Sam got to choose the girl name. I got to choose the boy name. Okay. But I'm being usurped as of recent, so I don't Uh-oh. know. <laughs> yeah. Rachel and I have talked about baby names. Mm-hmm. Um little, and yeah, she has a handful that she's she's got like two that she's like steadfast on, a boy and a girl name. And I have two that I'm equally as fond of, and neither of us like the others choices. That's hilarious. So yeah. We don't know how we're gonna we're we're not sure how we're gonna figure this out. But to, we also to have Sam's to my wife's out. defense, um I have some fun ones. I just really like Greek names, you know, like Ganna Kiss, Ganna oh. Kiss. So like, uh, <laughs> Theocles, like just some bro. Coming out. <laughs> totally kidding. I wouldn't do that. But Theocles Bewley. Yep. It just rolls mm-hmm. off the tongue. Theo, Dude, Matt, you could be a little, a little MJ, a little RJ. MJ. RJ. No, no, I'm not going to have a no. Matthew Jr. My name's, I like my name, but there's a, I've, I've met so many Matts in my life. I just, I feel like it'd be a disservice just to add another one to the pile. That's so funny. My, mine is, uh, unless you're president, no naming your child after you <laughs> or governor, <laughs> I guess. Unless you totally. have, unless you have a major achievement, is that your thing? You, have to, like, that. you have to earn it. <laughs> yeah. Like some people that are like the sixth and you're like, it is a lot. I agree. Never heard of the well, first. Because I, <laughs> I feel like after after once you get to like three, it's almost like an obligation for that child to be like, "Well, I got a name. I got to keep wait, it going." Man, yeah, and then yeah. what is it? That would be freshman, the fourth. Mm-hmm. Freshman. Yep. Yeah. Sophomore, the third. Senior, junior. 
yeah. sophomore freshman. Yeah. Someone's like, that's not how it works. Yeah, I was like, that's definitely is not how it works. Certainly but... how it works. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it? There's no way. Yeah, it is. It's definitely yes, it not is. how it works. Yes, Are you it serious? Is. Yeah. I remember my baseball coach once. I've never got him laughing. Well, it was just like one of those, like he was a, a hard A SS. Mm-hmm. And um, we were coughing, talking about like Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. And I was mm-hmm. like, just wait till Ken Griffey sophomore, man. And he was like, <laughs> did you hear they had a kid? So dumb. I know, so dumb. But this so is dumb. like, this is like sixth grade Riley. And it was hilarious. I mean, honestly, that that's pretty funny no matter what. But mm-hmm. it's still so dumb. So dumb. Anyways, but, all right, that's that's exciting, me, man. man. So hurt I, shoulder, uh, yeah. water and basement, and life, yeah. life changes. Okay, that's tough to follow, but at least as know, far as shoulder pain goes. So I went out sampling a pretty decent, not a lake. It was a pond, one of the ponds, you know, Farm Pond Eleven, one of the ponds on campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take the rowboat out because it, it's like. So the water level was too low to get the outboard motorboat in there. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. I guess we got to row it. And the way I'm doing it is I'm taking three samples in two different basins. There's two main basins. So I had to go like all the way around the corner and then all the way back. And it was a little bit windy mm-hmm. and it did a lot of rowing. And then the best part was on the way back, I found that there was a boat launch. Like there was a boat ramp on the other side of the pond. So I could have just <laughs> put it over there. So mm-hmm. that was fun. Yeah, but, but then you got to work out. Boom. I did. I got a good workout. Um, Rachel's usually really good at keeping me on, like going to the gym pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So her being still being in Birmingham is just my brain is really good at just being like, ah, but it's already like five fifteen. So it's like oh, I'm already getting to the gym like fifteen minutes later. So ah, it's just I might <laughs> as well not even go. Dude, have you gone and visit her in uh, Birmingham yet? No. Dude, go and visit her in Birmingham. It's fun. Here's a, here's a side note, Matt. I've, I've never told anybody this. Um, you know, I used to DoorDash or not DoorDash, yeah. uh, a flip flip um, mm-hmm. on eBay. Mm-hmm. I would go to Birmingham every other weekend for about a good year and a half. What? <laughs> yeah, man. Dude. <laughs> and I would, I would, I would, no go, way. I, would, I would eBay. And then the other weekend, sometimes more or less so I would go to, I would go to um, Columbus. Dude, you had a whole second life while you were here. Yeah, no, I didn't tell anybody <laughs> didn't any tell of this. Soul. I will fantastic. okay. Let's say I mean I definitely missed, so let's not say I was doing that for like a year and a half. How about that? Not every other weekend. Yeah. Just no, so we're still... just so we're very clear. But I'm yeah. looking maybe like twenty times ish. Yeah. No, that's yeah, it's not nothing. So yeah. It's not nothing. You go so go. I know Birmingham. It's fun. <laughs> yeah well our one of our tech she's starting as a master's student in august she's from birmingham so she has a lot to say about it but it's also like yeah nah. and sometimes i'll go to atlanta <laughs> jesus dude that's fun. an hour you just drive an hour and a half for what it just was go, fun dude just to go get stuff not just you say that like it's less i'm Sorry, talking about i don't i don't yeah hundreds don't of items like you know what i'm saying like hundreds of items yeah, man, dude, dude. your your commitment to that whole process I sold thousands. Down there. I know yeah. you did. It mm-hmm. was. I don't have that level of commitment. I guess. To Dude, I remember I was stuff. in the, the Auburn when COVID like ended, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I I was one of the first people back in the store, and they literally clapped for everybody walking through, and then it was they had they just needed like product gone, so they had fifty percent off everything. What a time to be alive! Like, <laughs> what a I was time like, to be alive. <laughs> 
But yeah, man, Birmingham's cool, man. You need to, there's a nice little walking area that they call it, um, oh gosh, Red, Red Cliffs or something. Shoot, I'm going to Google it right now just so no if you idea. ever go. Like I said, the tech, one of the techs, she's from Birmingham and she's talked about taking everyone there and showing us around. So have you never, like, in your whole time, have you been to Birmingham other, other than driving through it? Yeah, I don't think I've been there other than driving through it. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Red Red Mountain Park. That's what it's called, I believe. Red Mountain Park. Okay. Red Mountain Park. Um, and then they have like a really nice, um, really nice um, farmer's market. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. And then their downtown is weird, but also fun. Okay. Had a great little burger place, too. I'll ask Sam what the burger place is for you. Um, and a couple of breweries. Okay. Dude, but I was all over, man. Yeah. It sounds like, wow, I didn't, yeah, I had no idea. It's like a whole different mm -hmm. side of you. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into it, Riley. African Great Lakes. What can you tell me about African Great Lakes? Um. So... Well, geez. Wow. It's, yeah, let me, it's let me take a step broad, back. All right. It? Yeah, super broad. I know <laughs> a lot of it's volcanic, like plate movements, right? That mm -hmm. created the, the mm -hmm. African lakes, whereas Great Lakes up here would be more of like scouring of glacial scouring. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of diversity. Mm -hmm. Very yeah, we'll deep. Get into that. Yeah, we'll get into um, that. Invasive species issues. I know that too. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to stop there. Yeah, I mean, you hit I on... don't steal your thunder. <laughs> no, nah, you're good. You hit on most of the big uh, kind of big points we're going to get pretty deep into here. So mm -hmm. this that's is, good because is... like I know it's some stuff, but specifics. Yeah, not yeah. Too much. So this is this is part one, I will say. So part two, we're going to get really specific on one topic um, related to Lake, Lake Victoria. So that'll be in, in two weeks then. Uh, but this is more okay. I figured if I was going to talk about Lake Victoria, I'd be doing kind of a disservice to this entire region because there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about in this Great Lakes region. So we're delving into, like I said, it's a it's a pretty broad but informative topic here, being the African Great Lakes. And these are seven lakes, uh, each have incredibly fascinating ecology, hydrology, geology, and morphology that make each of them unique study systems. But more, but more importantly, their location in the heart of Africa makes some vital water sources that are invaluable to the people that rely upon them. And like I said, over the next couple episodes here, I'm going to do my best to uh, kind of convince everyone as to why these, why this region is so unique. So I guess kind of the most obvious place to start is how and when these lakes formed. So for context, just so everyone kind of knows what we're talking about here, the African Great Lakes region includes some 30-odd lakes, but we're just going to focus on the seven largest and oldest of these lakes, those being Lake Victoria, Lake Tanganyika, Lake Malawi, Lake Turkana, Lake Albert, Lake Kivu, and Lake Edward. Six of these lakes are Rift Valley Lakes, a type of deep, and I mean super deep, and narrow lake formed by tectonic plates pulling apart or sliding past each other, creating a canyon that fills with water over time. Uh, also for context, the world's deepest lake, Lake Baikal, is a Rift Valley Lake for, for reference there. Now, these six Rift Valley Lakes were formed about 30 million years ago-ish when the Arabian Plate, the Nubian Plate, and the Somalian Plate all pulled apart from each other. 
This then left deep canyons that would eventually hold about 27% of the world's fresh water. 27%. Over a quarter of the world's fresh water is within the African Rift Valley Lakes or the African Great Lakes. Dude, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. These are stupid deep systems, too. Like I said, it's six like, lakes. Yeah, if what the world three percent is freshwater, right? But like, I think it's that, about one percent. But that includes that includes um, in glaciers. Oh yes, you're right. right. You're right. Yes, it's so, like three percent, and then like one percent of 1%. that three percent. And then yeah. if you think if twenty-seven percent's there, what percentage is in the Great Lakes? Yeah, it's like yeah. by call is. I mean, you can probably look it up. Yeah. I'll look it up real quick. Oh gosh, nerd alerts! Twenty-three percent is in Lake Baikal. Oh my gosh! Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my so, lord! Yeah. These are huge, huge systems. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, like I said, those are the six Rift Valley lakes. Lake Victoria is a much younger and different type of lake. Uh, Victoria was also formed by tectonic activity but it was the pushing of smaller lakes that formed a sort of bowl that was then able to hold water. It is also much shallower than its Rift Valley cousins, coming in at about 130 feet in average depth, while Lake Tanganyika comes in at up to 4,800 feet in depth. Jesus. It's, it's like a number you can't wrap your head around, it's right? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an ocean. And uh. There's got to be a whale in there. You know what I'm saying? There's got to there's gotta be a whale in there. You can't convince me that like the Loch Ness Monster isn't a thing. If you tell me it's this this lake is 5,000 feet deep, yeah, there's something big living in there. Loch Ness Monster <laughs> coming up soon, guys. I did an episode on it. So did you really? Worry. Yeah. <laughs> Already written. Don't do one about Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Good to know. Victoria is also much larger in surface area relative to its depth versus the deep and narrow valleys as Lake Victoria sprawls across 26,500 square miles, while the previously mentioned Lake Tanganyika is not even half of that at 12,700, while holding almost eight times as much water. This is all just to help everyone kind of understand that although Victoria is in the Rift Valley region, it is not a Rift Valley lake. Its ecology and morphology are drastically different, but we're going to save that for a later episode. So next week, or I guess in two weeks episode, we're going to do a deep dive into just Lake Victoria. So right. the African Rift Lakes are world famous for their incredible diversity of cichlid species that inhabit the lake. Globally, there are roughly 2,500 species of cichlids, and at least 800 of these species can be found in just Lake Malawi. So yeah, you heard that correctly. Of the 2,500 cichlid species found worldwide, about a quarter, no, about 34% of them can be found in one single lake. It's bananas. Yeah. So for reference, according to a 2011 report by from the European Union, there are 546 endemic freshwater species in Europe. So there are more just cichlid species in Lake Malawi than there are in freshwater <laughs> species in the entire European Union. So again, can't stress enough the incredible diversity among these fish. It is absolutely mind blowing. That's so crazy. That's Isn't like that? when like stats with Amazon, like the Amazon rainforest, and they're just you, they throw out numbers. And you're like, I, I can't mm-hmm. even wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like so, all I see is corn, 
soybeans. <laughs> they're like they're crazy amount, just in mm -hmm. a little area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So oh on God. top of that, the life history strategies of these fish are equally as diverse and stunning. The sizes of cichlids can range from several inches to over three feet, and they can occupy every trophic level from primary herbivorous consumers to apex predators in these like food webs. These cichlids are also a remarkable example of what evolutionary biologists call adaptive radiation. This describes evolutionary lines that spawn multiple different species that have distinct specialized roles or niches within their ecosystem. The classical example of this would be Darwin's Galapagos finches, which had multiple species that had different beak sizes and shapes to feed on certain seeds, and each of these species could be traced back to a common ancestor of all of them. But even more remarkably, genetic evidence suggests that the 500 cichlid species evolved in just the last 15,000 years or so, which is absolutely light speed compared to the millions of years that the mm -hmm. 14 finch species uh, Darwin studied required. So this is like adaptive radiation on steroids here. That's crazy. And yeah, so to kind of get into some really kind of one particular great like radical example of the specialization and one kind of great example of this would be scale eating cichlids so this we're going to look at parasitus microlepsis this small fish has been extensively studied due to their strange mouth shapes so adult microlepis individuals have mouths that sort of lean to either the right or left and behavioral studies like that of Hori 1993 found that this allowed individuals to steal scales off of other fish while staying out of their kind of host's uh, sight line, right? So if you're trying mm -hmm. to kind of steal scales off an individual, the more you can stay behind them, the better. So that's where that kind of left or right waning mouth kind of came into a distinct advantage there. And it was long believed that this was a purely genetic trait but a 2010 review paper by Richard Palmer provided evidence that this was mostly behaviorally driven while being supported by genetic predisposition to phenotypic plasticity. So all that just meaning that microlepis has the ability to change its mouth shape, but continual feeding reinforces this morphological change. Remarkably, this adaptation also helps limit intraspecific competition as populations of microlepis are split nearly 50-50 between left and right-leaning jaws. It's also worth noting that this adaptation has arisen three separate times in other Rift Valley lakes, which is just an excellent example of convergent evolution. Now, speaking of convergent evolution, the African Rift Lakes are an absolute hotspot for convergent species. You, li you like that segue there, Riley? I like convergent revolution. <laughs> you almost said convergent revolution. Almost. Evolution. Ooh, convergent revolution. That's a good band name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Trademark. TM. Trademark. Yeah. That's our next podcast. <laughs> evolution. So not, uh, but yeah, so like I said, African Rift Lakes are absolute hotspot for convergent species, not only in life history strategies, but in appearance. A 1993 paper by Coker et al. took DNA samples of six morphologically similar cichlids from Lake Malawi and Lake Tanganyika. The paper has great sketches of the study species, but some examples are that each lake has a medium-sized fish with oversized lips that it uses to suck smaller fish out of rock burrows and so on. 
essentially each lake has a fish that looks and acts similar similarly to a fish in another lake and i won't go into too much detail on all the nitty-gritty genetic stuff but the authors came to a few different conclusions one is that the lake malawi species were all closely related to each other suggesting that they evolved relatively recently two is that the tanganyika species were more genetically distant compared to the malawi species suggesting that these species split much longer ago. This then sets the groundwork for the authors, authors explaining that the fish in each lake were on very different evolutionary timelines. And the third point being that they concluded that each morphologically similar taxa in Lake Malawi and Lake Tanganyika are distantly related and therefore not sister taxa, meaning that their appearance and life history strategies each evolved independently. What do you think of that? <laughs> that's pretty crazy yeah all just the area. fact all this stuff is going on in one area it's all going on in one area but it's also i mean like i really wish we can kind of put up videos and or like photos of all this because it is really remarkable just not like size shape coloration mm-hmm. life these fish look almost the same or comparable but mm-hmm. they've never interacted with each other and they don't even like they share a common ancestor millions of years ago not like the thousands of years ago it's insane yeah. it's absolutely I like how insane. amp this this makes you i love it i mean it's like classical limna- it's like class it's like biology 101 man it's so exciting that's cheesing right now <laughs> now is a tilapia a cichlid cichlid i like I think cichlid. so i think it is a cichlid let me look it up so for those of you who don't know what a cichlid is that's what you several species belonging to the cichlid family that's what it looks like is a tilapia yeah, tilapia. Yeah. If you if you're a aquarium person, like Oscars, Oscars are part of the cichlid uh, family or group as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they are incredibly diverse. They're very common in the or the aquarium trade because they are freshwater species. So they're relatively easy to take care of compared to marine species. But they're just as vibrant, colorful, and gregarious as marine species. So that's why they're so great common. word, man. Thanks, man. That was you know. It's I'm trying to get better at my big SAT words, you know. <laughs> <laughs> remember SAT? Remember SAT words? ACT. I remember the um for grad people out there. Sometimes they make you do it. Well, so they got rid of it too, or a little bit too, right? As a GRE, and they had a list of words. You know, like, don't get me started on the GRE, man. Don't get me started. Talk about a test. You're going to test me on words I have never used and will never use, and that's going to mm-hmm. tell you whether or not I'm a good scientist. Oh, Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think I barely passed. They're like, they're like, this kid is. Mm. Yeah, I think I got average on everything except writing. I got like, I got a decent score on my writing. Not to toot my own horn there, but I don't even remember. <laughs> I remember that it, I took it during finals week at mine, like one of my finals week. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this just needs to get done. And oh, it, yeah, <laughs> I remember. So I was applying to a lot of grad schools, and most of them didn't mention it. And then I was applying here, and my and our, our advisor was like oh yeah like let me know when i can get your like just send your gre scores over and i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah i think uh i, I should get it next couple of weeks and i scheduled it for like that friday <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly yeah right it's it's such a quack man like uh, it's such a waste of like 250 dollars and then they're like you can redo it if you want i was like absolutely not yeah, no 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 mm-hmm. but uh, like i studied enough just to know what the format was. I just wanted mm-hmm. to know the format. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Cause <laughs> not, not that I'm discounting yeah. it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like I was 
trying to do poorly, but I was just like, mm-hmm. I, you, there's so much yeah. other going on. Like I, mm-hmm. you just can't, you have to choose your battles. And the frustrating part is too, is you'll talk to a lot of advisors and they'll say, mm-hmm. I don't put that much weight on it. It's more of like, if you bombed it, it's like, that's kind of a red flag. Like if you got like in the 30th yeah. percentile, you're like, we should talk about this. But if you're yeah. like dead set, like the 50th percentile, you're like, all right, this kid's not a total dud. So I'm pretty sure I was like, like, yeah, I was like... maybe in like the 53rd percentile for everything, except writing. I was in like the 70th, but no, oh, yeah, what can I say but, good for uh... you <laughs> anyway? Yeah, back to our cichlids. <laughs> so, incredible diversity all across these different lakes, convergent evolution. All of these species kind of look the same, have similar life history strategies, but they each evolved independently. So along this line, there was a 2012 paper published in Current Biology that went into pretty great detail to show that these cichlids are classical instances of convergent evolution rather than closely related species acting and looking the same because they are from recent common ancestors. They did a much better job at highlighting just how similar some of these species look and act before then using a plethora of genetic data to just pull the rug out from under you and show Mm -hmm. that these fish are, in fact, not at all closely related. And from an evolutionary standpoint, like I said, that's absolutely uncanny. Really good writing in that particular paper. I I really... It was nice because they were like, oh, yeah, look, like, see, they behave the same. They did all these studies, like behavioral studies. And they're like, oh, yeah, if you look at their phylogenetic trees, it's like this one's over here and this one's all the way across the room. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, that's that's that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, like, it really brings me back. And like, this is why it just this whole thing makes me so I don't know. It gets me really excited. Because I remember a specific activity when I was first learning about evolutionary, like evolution and traits and passing that stuff along as an undergrad. So the professor gave us a bunch of pictures of different animals. And, you know, he he asked us to place them in order in which we thought they evolved. You know, there was like sharks, fish, frogs, worms, eels, all different kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the kind of key take home point from this activity was to show us that in evolutionary terms, at least it makes way more sense for one trait to evolve once and then be passed down to related species rather than for unrelated species to each pick up that trait independently. Like, like if you're thinking of an odds game, like what are the odds that two separate species each develop like oversized lips to then create a suction around rock crevices to then suck the fish out of the rock burrows <laughs> like what are the odds you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah, yeah no, i know sense. i just love your example <laughs> i mean that, that was the example they kept bringing up like the oversized lips or whatever for these fish but but yeah like yeah but this is just why it's so exciting because like the african cichlids completely fly in the face of that and that's why I think there's been so much debate in the 90s and 2000s uh, amongst evolutionary biologists about these fish. It's just, mm-hmm. it honestly just flies in the face of classical evolutionary theory. And to a certain point, it kind of goes against like Darwin's own stuff. Like if you kind of go like real elementary with it, but mm-hmm. um, so anything else to add about cichlids? We're going to go, we're going to kind of go off in a completely different direction now. Um, no, I mean, great job. I think, um, you and I need to go to these lakes. We need to have oh. like, uh, freshwater perspectives, um, field trips. And Dude, I would love an entire YouTube. And then if it gets really big, Netflix. 
Yeah. Get that Netflix cash <laughs> that'll never show up, right? And if not Netflix, Prime. Yeah, there you go. Prime. Um, I would love to do a YouTube mini series just going because we've talked about a lot of big systems, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of important systems. So just going there and talk and just kind of being able to talk to people, like going to that crazy well I talked about, what was it last week, the week before, and yeah. being able to talk to like people at the bottling plant and stuff. I thought I think that would be super cool. You're um, telling them about it, but like it's lithium. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, chill, man. Just drink some water. Calm down. They'd be like, oh, we get free water, man. <laughs> Everything's just super chill here, man. Everything's just chill, man. We're yeah, listening to Nevada. Just... Guess what song? Lithium. It's got to chill. That was, uh, that was a great one, Riley. Good job. There you go. Good. I know. That was good. You glazed you, over a little bit. You Nirvana, were... you're like, hmm. <laughs> I was for a second. Right. I was like, where's this there. going? Lithium. Did you get it? Like I no coincidence. It. I just really liked it. I got it. No, at the at the bottling plant, so they'll be like, "Yo, you get mm-hmm. it, lithium." <laughs> anyway, anyways, <laughs> so uh, I could honestly sit here all day and talk about the different weird examples of cichlid specialization. So that, like, you know, there's species that only eat eggs of another species, mm-hmm. or ones that only eat certain species of algae off of certain rocks. But that's kind of more. They're like there's more there that we have kind of time to discuss about so i really want yeah. to talk about kind of shifting gears a little bit here and kind of talk about the management of these great lakes and kind of what their outlook is looking like for kind of the near future and just how quickly these systems have already changed mm-hmm. so these african rift lakes are, aren't just home to 1500 cichlid species but also now crocodiles, elephants, amphibians, and even two-thirds of the world's flamingos rely on rift lakes. Not to mention all the people that live around the lakes. All this activity has obviously put a lot of stress on these ecosystems. A 1997 paper by Richard Ogutu Oweo and others quantified the human impacts on the African Great Lakes. So uh, Richard Ogutu Oweo, there's kind of a, a lab that that was the name I kept seeing with a lot of these related papers on this. So mm-hmm. him and, and his team have, have done a lot of work on kind of quantifying human impacts on the African Great Lakes. So he's one to kind of look out for. I think he's a little older now because well, obviously this was 1997, but doing a lot of research on him, he's done a lot of good job in this, mm-hmm. in this area. So the authors really stress the importance of the Great Lakes as a fishery given that other proteins like beef or chicken are much more expensive, which explains why fish make up 50 to 70% of the protein in the diet of people in the Great Lakes region. They, of course, stress the uniqueness of these lakes and the endemic fish within them and give a predictive warning of what will happen if over-exploitation of the region continues. So, yeah, so they claim that the human impacts will likely follow these four steps. So step one is over-exploitation will lead to decreased fish stocks. Pretty straightforward. Step two mm-hmm. is that the depleted fish stocks will lead humans to introduce exotic species to maintain catch rates. This then supports the human populations and allows it to increase in the area, which will lead to industrialization and intensified agriculture, which brings us to point three, which is eutrophication and contamination of the lake's system, which then results in step four, which is total abandonment of the lake. Honestly, this was kind of eerily foreboding for research paper, but the authors actually had some numbers to kind of back some of the stuff up. So to start with point one, over-exploitation of the fishery, the authors provided catch size data from 1970 and 1990 for the Lake Victoria sardine. 
the histogram showed that the average length of catch for the sardine in 1970 was about 55 millimeters, but that number has decreased to about 40 millimeters in 1990. The authors attribute this to a combination of improved fishing techniques, which has increased the catch per unit effort, coupled with lax regulation and management of the fishery. The authors focus on Lake Victoria mainly because it has the most intense fishing, but also because it is the smallest volume. So it is acting almost as a signal of what may to come for the much deeper lakes near in the future. My next episode, of course, like I mentioned previously, will be just about Lake Victoria and its fisheries. So keep an eye out for that. The authors do warn, though, that the larger lakes like Lake Tanganyika and Malawi are already seeing worrying signs of impairment. For example, the target species for the fishery in Lake Tanganyika has already shifted due to diminishing returns of several commercial and several commercial outfits had already shut down by 1990 after starting in just the 1950s. So we're seeing really quick collapses of entire fisheries in some of these lakes. So that's Hmm. kind of already a worrying sign. So to kind of support number two here, uh, which is that unsustainable fishing practices support increased human populations. The authors note that the rate of population increase around the Great Lakes region is about 4%, which is more than six times as much as that in most developed nations around the world at about 0.6% annually. This has already increased demand for livestock, agriculture, and wood, increasing erosion and nutrient flows into the lakes. This, of course, then leads us into point three, being eutrophication, and which isn't stressed too much in this paper, but their claims are supported by a very recent 2022 paper published in Science of the Total Environment that provides a whole lot of nutrient data from sediment cores that show nutrient inputs into Lake Victoria. The authors from this 2022 study show that as the population around Lake Victoria Basin increased, which was at a rate far greater than the continental average, there is a corresponding increase in organic carbon, total nitrogen, and total phosphorus into the lake sediments. So there's an absolutely direct correlation between the number of people around the lake and the amount of nutrients therefore entering into the lake, which is a huge signal, as we all know, for eutrophication. Obviously, of course, things haven't gotten to the point where any of these lakes are being abandoned, but it's almost scary to see how right these authors of that original paper were the rift valleys are hotspots for human populations that depend on the lake's food. Now, obviously, things haven't gotten to the point where any of these lakes are being abandoned, but it is almost scary to see how right the authors of that original paper were. The rift lakes are hotspots for human populations that depend on the lakes for food and income. A 2016 paper published in the Journal of Great Lakes Research reported that inland fishing in Africa generates $4.6 billion U.S. dollars for local, regional, and international trade and accounts for one-third of the average African's protein intake. Everything we just talked about points to this economy collapsing without intervention And some sort of fisheries management program is needed as is kind of a a nutrient management strategy. Like we just talked about, I think it was either beginning of this podcast or the previous podcast, looking at, you know, not trying to treat the lake, but looking at a a watershed management strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So now lastly, it's hard to talk about humans and the environment without discussing climate change. Yes, climate change is already having a marked impact on the African Great Lakes. A 2003 paper in Science showed evidence that Lake Tanganyika is stratifying more intensely, meaning that the upper 100 meters or so isn't mixing with the water beneath it, meaning that nutrients can't properly cycle to feed the phytoplankton and therefore most of the food web. 
This lack of mixing has also caused an anoxic zone of Lake Tanganyika to shift up from 300 meters in 1895 to 100 meters in 1947. No idea what it could be today. It could be less than 100 meters at this point. This, of course, meaning that fish and other organisms are now being confined to a smaller, warmer layer of the lake that may be outside their thermotolerance, may not have as much dissolved oxygen as they require. And to kind of go along with this, a 1992 paper by Hassenrath and Cruz found that surface temperatures of Lake Victoria have been steadily increasing, thus making the lake harder and harder to mix as the less dense upper layer is too different from the super dense lower cold layer, making it prone to anoxic episodes as well. And mm. I think all of that is a pretty good place for us to stop this, this episode. So make sure to tune in next time and we'll spend an entire episode just covering the Nile perch fishery of Lake Victoria and it's shockingly far reaching consequences. So anything else to talk about here today, Riley? This is a good one. This is um, a big chunk. So yeah, commending you for tackling it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I like I said, it was almost a little intimidating when I was thinking about this because one, I didn't know where to start because I knew I wanted to talk about the cichlids, mm-hmm. and I just kind of started there. I knew I wanted to talk about the Nile perch, but again, I feel like I would have been doing this a disservice if I didn't talk about it as much as I could. So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's crazy to think like a third of all you said the protein intake for mm-hmm. an entire country. Mm-hmm. Do I know? No, you said you for said the entire the continent. Con- continent. For, yeah, continent. for Africans. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's bananas. Yeah, and I think a huge portion of that is because of the Nile perch. So, mm-hmm. well, and like I said, we'll get next all time. into that. Hmm? That's the next time. Yeah, we'll get all into that next week. So if that's all, if you didn't have anything else to add to that, Riley, um, I don't. anyone listening, make sure if you have any other ideas for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to fwperspectivespodcast at gmail.com. All right. See you, Riley. See you, Matt.